some Christmas trees to maneuver around this morning. Love the Christmas decorations. Thank you to everybody that helped to uh, get all of that set up this last week. Um, it's just always fun to come in and see everything all decorated for Christmas. I know we're excited about it at our house. Hopefully you are at yours. Uh, I do have a couple of updates for you um, from last week. I had promised you that I would let you know um, what was going on. A couple things for you. Uh, one, um, great job. Uh, Jerry was able to send out uh, checks totaling um, $5,000 last week to all of our missions around the world, as it were. So yes, well done. Thank you so much for uh, supporting that effort. I think it's an awesome, awesome thing to do. And I know uh, we've already heard back specifically from one of those missionaries uh, via text this week, and uh, they were just like completely blown away because they had not part of their budget either, you know, and they had no idea that that was coming. So well done, uh, church. Thank you for that. I wanted to update you. Um, something I found out last week um, that I did not know, Pete Campbell's the one that let us know, that if you had um, replied the week before when we talked about all those missions, we gave you a chance to potentially sponsor some of those missionaries, we're looking for liaisons, we're looking for ambassadors. Simply put, someone that will just reach out once a month or so and contact those missionaries and say, hey, we're praying for you guys. Is there any specific needs you have or prayer requests that you have that you can let us know about? And then they're going to bring that information back to Tony and Jerry and to the church as a whole so that we can communicate with all those missionaries week or monthly um, throughout the year. We want them to know that we're more than just a check coming. We're people who love you and we want to support you in, in your mission. And so uh, we put a link out there for you to request one of those missions. I didn't find out till last Sunday that that link didn't work. And so I went into the website. I tried to fix it myself. Couldn't figure out what was wrong. Contacted the company. Uh, the initial level of tech support said, uh, I don't know. So they sent it on to the engineers. And it wasn't until Thursday where they finally figured out what was wrong um, with the website. And it was on there and it wasn't anything we had done. And so um, that link now works. Um, we have one, two, three, four, five. So we have five of, of our missions officially adopted by someone um, so far. That list is up to date on our website. And so if you go to bccbrazil.org and click on that missions team tab, then you can click a link that has this list on it and all the highlighted yellow ones that have looking for. So we're still looking for some more. So if you're at home right now on your phone, you could pull up church website, you could see which ones are sponsored and you could sponsor maybe one of those others or, or be our ambassador to one of those others. We want to get those filled up before the end of the year so that we can start this new year being able to reach out to all of our missions week or monthly um, or weekly if you have time um, to do that. So please, please, please a part of that. All right. So excited um, for this series. It is Christmas. I love Christmas. Hopefully you understand that and things like that. So I'm going to start with just a simple phrase. Um, I'm going to say these words. You might have seen it on our Facebook page, things like that throughout the week. Dave did a great job of finding a graphic and getting that posted. If I were to say the words, all I want for Christmas is, what is the first thing that pops into your head? Now, most people in today's world will probably go one of two places, depending on how I say that phrase. If I say, all I want for Christmas is yeah, everybody's going to go to Mariah. That's just what happens. Um, just, just, it just happens. But if I go old school, I say, all I want for Christmas is... Right. Then you go there right away. So from now on for the next three weeks, I'm going to say that phrase all the time, and your heads are going to instantly go to one of those places. I apologize in advance. I, I can't do anything about it. But my hope is maybe, 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 just maybe, that will change as time goes on, and something else might change your perspective on that topic, right? Maybe, just maybe, the Spirit will move you in a direction to fill that blank in a little differently this time of year. Right, let's, let's just see where God takes us. Every day, as you know, right now, especially, people are longing for something. 
especially right now. Right now, in your mind, forget the Psalms. Think about you personally, and how would you fill in that blank? All I want for Christmas is. Just in your mind, in your heart, what is it? Where does that take you? If you're a child or a child at heart, like so many of us, maybe wish list pops into your brain, right? Because there are so many things to want, isn't there, in this world? I mean, my, there's so much stuff out there. Maybe you just want some, some good news for a change. Maybe you want some normalcy in life. God, all I want for Christmas is things to be normal once again. Maybe you desire something very specific, a new job. Maybe it's a new car that you're in desperate need of. Maybe all you want for Christmas is some protection for you, for your family, your loved ones. Maybe it's something deeper. Maybe you want to, a pain to go away, a pain from your past, or maybe in a physical pain. Maybe you're longing for inner peace. That can be a reality. People are struggling right now. Maybe you're in need of a new start, a new beginning, and this new approaching year might just be that opportunity for you to do that. Maybe you want to be free from an addiction or from depression or anxiety because let's face it, this life can be hard and no one denies that. And the times that we're living in have amplified that for so many people. Many, many people out there are struggling with these issues and more. And just maybe you are one of those individuals. Scott, all I want for Christmas is... This year, every this time of year, every year, we get to refocus on the beginning, the origin of our faith, the coming, the birth of Christ, the incredible plan that God put into place before the creation of man, a plan that brought the hope of redemption, the hope of forgiveness, the hope of everlasting life and eternity with our creator, a magnificent, a glorious plan that was carried out in the most humble most unspectacular, seemingly inconsequential, irrelevant ways it possibly could be. Everything, everything about God's gift to this earth and to you and I should have been swept under the very, very thick history of the Jewish people. But it wasn't, was it? You see, God chose the irrelevant to give us his greatest revelation. On Jesus. He chose the unspectacular to reveal his elaborate plan for all of mankind being put into action. He chose a humble beginning with a virgin and a carpenter and a stable to bring the King of Kings and Lord of Lords to this earth. So this week, I'm going to begin by, by saying a phrase, and I just want to ask you this question Have you ever felt this way before, or maybe right now, if you're at home? watching. All I want for Christmas is for God to show up. That's all. God, I just need you to be real. Just show up and do what? Just show up and, and take this virus away. I think all of us would be on board with that, right? Show up and maybe you've got a broken relationship. Show up and heal me physically, God. Show up and help me find a job. Show up and what? How would you finish that? God, all I want you to do for this Christmas, I just want you to show up and what? What is that for you personally? Make it personal. I'm going to take you back 700 years before Jesus. We're going back to Isaiah, which is who we spent time with last week, the prophet Isaiah. It's an amazing book. His, his letter, his, his recording of his prophecy and everything else is truly phenomenal. Isaiah, in his words, were not easy for him, though. 
You've got to understand, we talked a little bit about it last week, the perspective which he was writing from. He's seen the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, after Israel had split into those two, Judah and Israel. He's seen them fall now to the Assyrians. They're long gone. They've, They've been captured, taken off, overrun. And now he's seeing his own people, the people of Judah, who are just blatantly living in sin and idolatry. Isaiah, we usually remember this time of year for all of his incredible prophecies, predictions surrounding the coming Messiah, surrounding the birth, the life, the death, and ultimately resurrection of Jesus. And those prophecies are spectacular. They're incredibly accurate, almost impossibly accurate if it were. But the reality is this. Isaiah's work also reveals that his people, his people will soon be taken into exile. Jerusalem will be destroyed. And yes, eventually in his work, he reveals that Israelites will be delivered and they'll be returned back to their promised land. But that's a long, long time away. So Isaiah is longing right now in this moment. He is longing for the people of Judah to turn back to God right now. So that all this devastation, all these things that God is revealing to him can never happen. They can be avoided. But his cries, his pleas, they they all fall on deaf ears. And Isaiah is crushed by what God reveals time and time again to him. His desire then is, okay, God, why don't you just go ahead and intervene now? God, why don't you come now? Why don't you show up right now and show your people who you are so they'll all change and it'll go back to the way that it should be. So listen for his words. Listen to his pleads to God. Isaiah chapter 64 is where we'll be today, verse 1 through 9. If you don't remember where Isaiah is, just turn to Psalm a little bit past it, and you'll get right into the book of Isaiah. Chapter 64, open up on your device, put at home wherever you are with us this morning. Verse 1, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down, that the mountains would tremble before you, as fire sets twigs ablaze and causes the water to boil. Come down and make your name known to your enemies and cause the nation to quake before you. For when you did awesome things that we did not expect, you came down and the mountains trembled before you. Since ancient times, no ear has heard or no no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Verse 5, you come to help those who gladly do right, who remember your ways. But when we continued to sin against them, you were angry. How then can we be saved? All of us have become like one, clean. All our righteous acts are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins are swept away. No one calls on your name or strives to lay hold of you. For you have hidden your face from us and have given us over to our sins. Yet you, Lord, you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are all the work of your hand. Do not be angry beyond measure, Lord, and do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look on us, we pray, for we are your people. Now, there's so many things within that passage you relate right now to American culture for sure people completely ignoring turning a blind eye to god but that's not the topic of today 
Isaiah's passage opens with his plead for God to come now. God, show up now. All I want, God, is for you to come right now. And so he recalls some of those miraculous things that God had done in the power in the past to reveal his power to people. And he wants his desire for God to intervene right now, to act right now. Have any of you ever prayed for that to happen in your life? Have you ever said, I need you now? And let me tell you specifically, this is what I need to do right now. I know I have. I'm sure you have as well. Earlier in Isaiah 63, just before this, Isaiah is recalling specific things, incredible things that God did through the exodus of Israel. And even Mount Sinai was shaken. But then he throws in that reminder that we read, since ancient times, no one has heard. No ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. A reminder that there is only one true God and that God will indeed, in fact, act on behalf of those who are waiting for him. Isaiah is waiting. He's waiting on the Lord to hear his cries. So the question becomes, maybe just like you, if you've cried out to God like that before, why did God act? Why didn't God immediately drop everything he was doing and say, hey, Isaiah, I hear your praise. Here we go. Let's go. I'm coming. Well, Isaiah, in his scenario, confesses he knows the answer. God, I know why you're not acting. God, I know you'll come. You're going to come for those who, who do right. God, here's the prayer of the righteous. The author of this proverb reminds of that, 59, the Lord is far from the wicked, but hears prayers of the righteous. 1 Peter 3.12, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous and he is, his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Now, that doesn't mean living a life of evil if God did not answer your prayers. God did answer your prayers. Just answered them the way that you desired, just like he didn't answer Isaiah's prayers exactly the way Isaiah desired. Isaiah knows the issue. He knows he, we, the people keep sinning against God. They're all unclean. He goes on to say, even their good deeds, their righteous acts, as Isaiah calls them, are like filthy rags to God. I am not going to tell you what the Hebrew word for filthy rags is and what it means. I'm not going to bother. We don't need to talk about that on a Sunday morning. Why? Why are things so disgusting to God? Well, it's because of this. The people, God's people are just going through the motions. They're just showing up at church on Sundays. That's all they're doing. There's no faith in God. There's no trust in his power. There's no desire to follow them, follow God at all. Their only desire is to check a religious box. They think God wants them to do. No acts of devotion or true love to God. So that falls upon us. What about us? When we come to God, what do we bring? I challenge you with a question to say to God right now, God, all I want for Christmas is... What are you lying down at the feet of God when you bring that request? What are you laying down before him? Have you genuinely given your entire, your full life to God? Or are you still holding on to pieces of it? Are you coming to God out of reverence for him? Is your request to God actually an act of worship as it should be? Do you ask believing that God will be able to answer? Do you ask trusting that God's answer will be correct? It might not be what I desire, <laughs> but do I trust him to bring me what is best for me? See, our reality is the same today as the people of Isaiah's time. We've all sinned, and God willingly forgives the sinner, doesn't he? Thank you, Jesus. But when we continue in our sinful ways and we don't allow God to change us, our sin begins to make us unclean. It makes 
acceptable, unworthy before God. A series of short quotes here from Charles Spurgeon describe it this way. Under the Jewish law, when a person was unclean, they could not even go into the house of the Lord. He could offer no sacrifice. God could accept nothing from his hands. He was an outcast and an alien so long as he remained unclean. Even our righteous acts are like filthy rags. The good we may try to do is unacceptable and unclean before God. Why? Why? Because we are like an unclean thing. Our good that we do is polluted. Listen to Spurgeon's quote on this. Brethren, if our righteousnesses are so bad, how must God see our unrighteousnesses? As believers in Jesus, as people of faith, even the works that seem holy to those on the outside, from the inside can become corrupt and unrighteous. There is a sin there is sin in our prayers. They need to be prayed over again. There is filth in our very tears we shed in penitence. There is sin in our very holiness. There is unbelief in our faith. There is even hatred in our love. There is the slime of the serpent upon the fairest flower of our garden. People just don't write like that anymore, do they? Thank you, Mr. Spurgeon, for sharing that. We must examine our motives. We must examine our heart when we come before God. He will willingly accept our gifts and answer our prayers, even as sinners, when we present them with the right heart, the right attitude. But too many of even us today bring them only out of obligation. Now, if you're like, I, Chris, I'm not really tracking with you. I don't feel this. I don't understand this. Let me make it as relatable as I possibly can. Christmas is the perfect example of what this like, how many people do you buy a gift for only because you have to? Seriously, seriously, with what attitude do you buy gift? Are you excited to go to the store and pick the right gift that will be pleasing to the person that's buying it? Or do you stop by Dollar General on the way because you forgot to buy it and you try to find a gift that might not be terrible? Don't lie because you've all, every one of you have done it. I know you have because I have to. That is our reality. We stopped on the way just to find something. Are we joyful in our act of giving or is it out of duty? Do we even care if the person we're giving the gift to likes it? Do we care at all? Do we do that to God? Do we bring God our leftovers? Do we care if our gift to God is pleasing to him? Or do we only do it out of obligation? Do we only do it in hopes that maybe maybe God will show us some favor. Have you ever asked this question? God, here's my gift. Is this good enough? If you're asking that question, I can already tell you the answer. (laughs) No, it's not. If there's doubt in your mind, then you know you're not offering your best. Something to consider. In essence, are we trying to save ourselves through whatever our works are? Our sinfulness demands a righteous judgment from God. So do we plead like Isaiah does for God to have mercy upon us, to remember that we are his people? Isaiah is reminder that, hey, uh, don't forget everybody, we are clay in the hands of the potter. God, we give you our lives. You can shape us. You can mold us however you see fit. God, you know what is best for me. Please, God, mold me and shape me into your image the same way Isaiah begs for God not to hold our sins against us. Remember, this is a key thing. 
This is so important. Isaiah, unless God revealed it to him, which he might have, it's very possible that he did. But it would have been very hard for Isaiah to have a full understanding of what the gospel, good news that's coming. It would have been really hard for him to even know, as God revealed through prophetic words, the full extent that God himself was going to go to to save his people and ultimately the world through his son, Jesus. That Jesus would come, that he would offer his life literally, not just figuratively, for all who would believe. That God's very own blood would be shed. That he would be the ultimate sacrifice to cover our sins once and for all. It would have been very difficult for Isaiah to understand or have any knowledge of that full picture. So as Isaiah pleaded for God not to forget his people, keep in mind, his prayers were answered. They were more than answered 700 years later. Not only remembered the Jews and brought his very own son through the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and David, but he took it a step further. Because God reached out through his son, not just Jews, but all of humanity. He offers the gift of grace, of mercy, of forgiveness, of salvation, eternal life to all who might come to his son. Isaiah knows that God will not forget his children. He knows that God has been faithful, faithful through all the trials that Israel has brought upon herself in the past. God does not, will not disown his people. He will punish them for the disobedience, but he will not disown them. In reality, what he does is just what he's doing in America. He allows us to go off on our own and reap the rewards of the path that we choose. Our own worldly pursuits come home back to us and we pay the price. It's the natural conclusion for our sinful behavior. And God just allows us to follow that path if we choose. The reality for so many people today is this, in this holiday season, they are finding themselves crying out for help. Now, they're going to do this in a lot of different ways. It could be audibly. It absolutely could be. They're so frustrated and distraught with life, and scream out, cry out in frustration. But some might not be. Some might be doing it through some form of self-destructive behavior. Some might be ruining relationships, risk losing their jobs, pursuing the vices of this world, trying to cope. So many people right now feel trapped in this world. Maybe it's fear, maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's rules and regulations that have been imposed upon them, but they feel trapped, isolated, alone. And here's the difficult problem right now. Fewer and fewer of those people are crying out to God for help. They're seeking other places. But I want to put that alongside us believers because we are at Fewer and fewer of us are reaching out to those people who are crying out because we have the only answers, brothers and sisters. We have to share with those in need. It's just that simple. You might be past all of this. You might have gotten put with flying colors. You might not have been impacted in any way. Praise God for that. Praise God for that. If you have, would you go and give and share and go and love those that are still coping, still dealing with the effects of everything going on? around them right now. They are searching for answers. And you know what? They're going to find answers. The world is going to give them answers, but they're all lies. We know the truth. And we know that the truth will set them free if they allow it. But we have to carry it to them. God, all I want for Christmas is for you to show up and be real 
in my life. If you would pray that prayer, if that is genuinely you at home, God, I need you to reveal yourself and be real in my life. Did you know if you pray, Jesus, come now into my life, he will. Right this very moment, if you pray that prayer, there's no doubt at all whatsoever that he will not honor that prayer. God, all I want for Christmas is some hope. I get it. One of my favorite passages in all of Scripture come from the book of Isaiah. Really, uh, there's elements of hope in that book, but there's a lot of sadness. There's a lot of sorrow. There's a lot of despair in that book and those prophetic words of Isaiah. But right there, well, not quite to the middle of the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 31. I mentioned a lot of what Isaiah's book covered, but here's a little bit of hope right in the middle. Some of you know this passage, I'm sure, by heart. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Who needs that today in this world, right? It's the hope in the Lord that provides you with the strength to get through each and every day as a believer. So if you are not a believer yet, then would you be willing to place your hope in the Lord? The reward on earth is tremendous. It is, but there is so much more to come beyond this life that we live, more than any of us could ever imagine when we are with Jesus one day. Paul, ironically, actually uses the very words of Isaiah that we read earlier this morning in chapter 64. He put them in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. He said it this way, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things that God has prepared for those who love him. It's a quote right from the book of Isaiah, now applied to the new believers as we wait to the return of our Savior once again. This is waiting for you if you are in Christ. God, all I want for Christmas is, is some freedom. Freedom from what? Freedom from guilt? Freedom from pain? Great. Jesus did not come to this world to condemn you. Hopefully you all realize that. The Apostle John wrote the not-so-famous verse, John 3, 17. Nobody knows that one. We all know 3, 16. But John wrote these words from Jesus. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Jesus came to set us free, people. And there's no time like now than that to be a message for those that need to be set free. The prophet Isaiah wrote, come now and let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool beginning in the book of Isaiah, chapter 1, verse 18. How, God, how will you forgive? Well, it's very simple. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. John, 1 John 1, 9. What you have to do is go before God and say, God, I messed up. Here's where I went wrong. I know this. Will you help me? Will you forgive me of this? Will you help me not pursue this path any longer? And God will take care of the rest as long as we continue to follow him and he will wash it away transforming us into that new creation for i will be merciful for their unrighteousnesses and their sins and their lawless deeds i will remember no more hebrews eight twelve. what a comforting thought in his great mercy god erases our sin from his very memory how freeing is that and it is fully available to you therefore now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to his spirit, Romans 8, 1. If you follow Jesus and stay true to him, you don't have to worry about judgment. Did you know that? 
You do not have to worry about judgment. You have been covered with the blood of Christ. Your guilt is a thing of the past. No guilt, no shame. God, all I want for Christmas is. That list, let's be honest, it could go on and on and on, couldn't it? From real world things to real life things to real deep personal things, here's the reality. God wants to hear every one of those requests. No, he is not Santa Claus, but he wants to hear every one of your requests. But there is something he asks us to do in return. So it happened for Jesus. James said it this way in James 6, 1, or, or 1 verse 6, sorry. But when you ask, you must ask believing. God, all I want for Christmas is you must believe that he hears you. You must believe and not doubt because the one who doubts is like the wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from God. Do you believe that God wants what's best for you? Do you believe that he hears your cries? What is it that causes you to doubt if you're doubting? Maybe there's a barrier between you and between God today and that God needs to remove that barrier. Let's pray today that he does that. James tells us to be confident in who Jesus is that we must pray believing he will answer, that we must pray and be open to whatever answer God brings our way. He can remove any doubt that we might have. He can answer any question that you might have. He can forgive you for any sin if you will just ask him. God, all I want for Christmas is, where does that take you? Now, I've asked that question deliberately many, many times, and there's a reason for that. And if you're online, you can do this at home too, please do. On your seats in-house, there's a little half sheet, just like always. On the back of that little half sheet, at the very bottom is that phrase, all I want for Christmas is dot, dot, dot. There are two lines below that. I'm going to challenge you right now to take that card and to write on that line what God has put on your heart. And there's a reason for this. I want you to put that on that line. I want you to tear that off. And I want you to put it in the offering things on your way out. And we as a staff will be praying over every single one of those throughout this week for you. Don't forget what it is because you should be praying it this week as well. But we want to pray for you. I'll be really honest and quite heartbroken. If I walk out in Monday morning, all that Jerry put on my desk is like three of those little white cards. There's only three of you that would really like for all of us to be praying for you. That would be really sad to me. Really, really sad. This is between you and Now, if you're bold and you want to say, hey, Chris, yes, I would love for the staff to know who put this on here. Here's my name. I want you to specifically for me. Then by golly gosh, put your name on there. Please do. But you don't have to. God, all I want for Christmas is what is it that God puts on your heart when that phrase comes to mind? Put it on that card. Tear it off and put it in. If you're online, just put us a, send us an email. Hit that connect, connect with us part. Fill that out. And there's a little memo line. Just put on there what yours is. And we'll be praying for that this week as a staff throughout the week together because we love you. <laughs> and we want to hear what's on your heart, what God has put on your heart this morning, this Christmas season. It's different for everyone. It's different for everyone. And we want to be genuine in this. I'm so excited of this series ahead. There's so many things God can reveal to us through his word. This time of year is such a special time to do it. Father God, as we come before you today. And we just lift up our cries, Father God, all I want for Christmas is. I pray that that phrase, maybe from now on, every time they hear one of those songs, the first thing that pops in their mind is you, God. 
Father, you ask us to come before you praying specifically for what we need in life. You come, you tell us, you ask us to come before you to pray, believing that you will come through. We know you will. Father, I cannot wait to begin praying over these this week with our staff. I can't wait to see how you're moving people's hearts in your directions and their minds and your directions and their lives and your direction as we enter the 2021 together as the bride, the body of Christ. It's such a joy to see so many have gathered back together this morning. We pray for those that cannot be here for one reason or another, Father. We understand and we want to pray that they do not get discouraged, that they do not lose heart at home, that, Father, somehow, some way, this digital connection can be enough to sustain them in this odd phase of life that they're living so that one day they can rejoin us once again. Father, if there's ways we can reach out to them, I pray you reveal those ways. And Father, let us lift up before you our request in this moment. God, all I want for Christmas is, Father, we love you. And we thank you for your presence here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray.